Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, James Kostorowski, who's Director of Logistics at Smith Brothers Farms. And we're participating today in this latest installment of Profiles in Route Optimization Excellence, where we highlight companies that are leading the way in driving continuous improvement and innovation in route optimization. So, James, thank you for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about uh, all the great work we've done at Smith Brothers in the last six months. Great. So let me, uh, you know, I think a lot of people might be familiar with Smith Brothers Farms, but depending on what part of the country you might be, and, and some people may not be familiar with, you know, the company. So before we dive into this topic of, of rod optimization uh, and so forth, why don't we start by you telling us briefly about uh, Smith Brothers Farms and, and your role and responsibilities there at the company? Sure. Uh, Smith Brothers Farms this year turned 100 years old. Uh, so go back 100 years and we were the milkmen delivering to the Puget Sound, which is in the Seattle, Washington area. Uh, so 100 years later, we're still in business, but have branched out to include over 250 other SKUs in addition to all the dairy products that we cover. Um, so it's been pretty exciting to hit our 100 years this year. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a great milestone, and uh, you know certainly, um, you know when you think about the uh, the milkmen, I mean they were you know when you talk about route optimization, you usually think about the traveling salesman, but I think probably a better analogy would be you know the traveling milkman of uh, you know of a hundred years ago, and you know I think when a lot of people think of of you know routing complexity, I think today they think about you know perhaps parcel carriers right delivering you know hundreds if not thousands of uh, you know, packages uh, because of e-commerce, but milk delivery is a pretty highly complex operation. So uh, can you share with us some details of your operations to illustrate, you know, the type of complexity that you have to manage? Yeah, this was very interesting. I was in the newspaper industry for over 20 years before I went to work at Smith Brothers. And um, I think I'm pretty good at delivering. I've done a lot of deliveries. Um, so I get in a milk truck and go to deliver and uh, it's not a box. We haven't pre-packaged the order for the customers. We actually bulk load all the product on the truck and then the milkman picks the order when we get to the customer's house. Uh, the levels of complexity there were, were just, it was really something, quite a learning experience. Uh, all of our deliveries are to the porch as well, every one of them. Uh, and we deliver to an insulated porch box. Um, our routes are fairly static. The milkmen, they have their routes. Their route is consistent. The order the customers go is consistent. So one of the challenges is to be able to build routes, add new customers that follow that same path. Um, I think a good example of how complex it was, the first time that I delivered, and remember, I've delivered for 20 years, pull up to the customer, pick the product, deliver the product, go to back out of the driveway, and I'm, and I'm like, wait, which direction was I going when I pulled in? So it's just a lot to retain uh, in a short amount of time. It was pretty exciting. Now, in terms of, you know, 100 years, I'm sure you've, you've, you've developed, you know, a, a relatively large, uh, uh, you know, customer base. Um, so, so how many, you know, when you're talking about a, a typical day or a typical week, I mean, how many how many deliveries are you making? How many trucks? I mean, do you have your own trucks, I assume? And how many trucks do you have? I mean, what, what's the, the nature of like, uh, you know, from a planning standpoint, you know, all the different variables that you have to deal with? 
This is interesting. The, the answer pre-COVID is significantly different than the answer post-COVID. Um, but in general, before COVID, we had 52,000 customers and we had 51 routes. So basically, you drain right around 1,000 customers. Uh, on average, one in four will uh, skip in every given week. Most of our customers get weekly delivery, some are every other week, and then you can skip at any time for any reason. Uh, so we're making now, with nearly 70,000 customers, we're making about 50, a little over 50,000 deliveries a week. Uh, with 70 drivers. So we have a mix of large routes and small routes. Uh, average deliveries per hour for the total amount of time that a milkman is on the clock uh, runs around 18 before COVID and we've dropped a bit uh, post-COVID. Yeah, so you, you jumped right into my, well, I was giving my next question, you know, COVID, you know, for a lot of industries, a lot of companies has, um, you know, served, you know, has either dis completely disrupted their operations uh, or it's been a kind of a feast or famine type of situation where either their business went to a complete standstill or, you know, demand and, you know, the, the, the business activity has never been greater. It sounds like based on what you just said that, that COVID has been the latter for you. It's been kind of a, a, an accelerator of, of business and as a result, an accelerator of complexity for you. Yeah, I think uh, one of the first documented cases was in Kirkland, Washington, which is smack in the middle of our market. Uh, so Seattle with uh, all the large tech companies uh, almost immediately went into lockdown and almost immediately we went from having 50 signups a day to having 500 signups a day. Um, great problem to have and it was great because we're part of the solution by helping people stay home and avoid social contact. Uh, initially, this was great. We had the tools and software and ability to route these three, four, five hundred customers a day. The problem is you can only put so many customers on a route before you break the route, right? As I said before, the routes have a consistent pattern to them. Uh, you can only pile so much on before you break the underlying routes. And that that was the, you know, this, 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 that was the big challenge. How do we keep taking the new business without breaking our underlying operation? Yeah, so I mean, I think that's where, you know, companies that have, um, you know, been investing in technology all along, right, and have been modernizing their, their tools, their processes, have been the ones that have been the most successful in terms of responding to, you know, these, these new challenges and new complexities that are, that are introduced to their business. Because, you know, I always tell folks, can you imagine if this had happened back in, you know, 1999 or 1985, you know, and, and you were using, you know, everybody was using client server solutions on a desktop, you know, somewhere in their office and weren't able to work remotely and, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, so in some ways, the fact that it's happened now with, and, and for those companies that have continued to modernize their IT capabilities, you know, have been the ones that, um, you know, have weathered the storm and, and not only, not only um, weathered it, but I, I have actually, you know, succeeded. It sounds like you, you've been on, uh, you've been on that journey. Now, um, so, so, so let's go back before COVID. Let's go back before you, you implemented your, your, your current uh, route optimization solution, which, which you're using RouteSmart. Um, so let's go back before all that. I, I want to kind of get a sense of you know, what were some of the, the business challenges or, or improvement opportunities that, that led you to seek a, a route optimization tool, a route optimization solution to begin with? So one of the, um, one of our least preferred things to do is change a customer's day of delivery. 
Customers hate it. It doesn't matter what day you get initially, you get used to that day. That's the day you're getting your milk, your eggs, your bread, your cheese, your peanut butter, you name it. Um, and so that presents a real challenge because if we're constantly changing customers' days, we're opening up the opportunity for them to stop doing business with us. And as these routes had developed organically over 100 years, we would have a neighborhood that's delivered on Wednesday next to a neighborhood that's delivered on Tuesday, next to a neighborhood that's delivered on Friday. So as the routes would grow, if one became too big to balance it out, you had to move customers, shift them from point A to point B and then change their day. So it's a very, picture this, 240 of these, most of them not neighboring someone of the same day. Uh, so actually this is where I come in. This is why I was brought into Smith Brothers was to rebuild these routes, right? So that's the tool that we needed was to be able to redevelop all of our routes into day blocks so that you'd have a massive group of routes all on the same day. And then it's very easy to move customers back and forth without disrupting the customer's normal habits and patterns. Yeah, no, I can see, I can see how, you know, that ends up happening a lot of times, right? Because unless you have some, um, you know, if you haven't put that discipline in place, you know, over the course of, of years, uh, you can get into that situation where you, you, you've got these territories, if you will, of these, uh, um, you know, and operational realities that are completely unbalanced, if you will, uh, that, that add some, uh, you know, inefficiencies uh, from, a, from a driver standpoint, an asset standpoint, and obviously that impacts customer satisfaction, which is, you know, to your point, uh, I know we, we all, we're all creatures of habit, right? So once we get used to a certain, you know, day or time uh, of, of delivery, uh, that, that's our expectation. We build everything else uh, around that. So, so I mean, at, at, as you were looking at, uh, you know, the, the, from a technology standpoint, uh, some of the capabilities that were going to be most important to you to, to achieve what you were trying to achieve, I mean, what were some of those, those key capabilities that, that were kind of must-haves for you? It's one of the challenges of um, the software that the company tried previously. So just for clarity, when I came on board, the company had already decided to go with RouseSmart. Um, now, I had given a reference for them because I've worked with RouseSmart for 10 years in the newspaper business. Um, but what uh, the challenge that led them to this solution was the inability of other software to handle high-density routing. Um, a good, good way to describe it is if you're driving a semi from Arkansas to California, you're dropping a trailer and picking up another one. So that's one kind of routing. When you have 25 customers in one little neighborhood, that's a different kind of routing. There's you can't just go from point A to point B, you have to have some intelligence behind it. Uh, so it was determined that this uh, RouseSmart would be the solution that would allow that to happen. Uh, in addition, um, the company went with GeoTab uh, Go tracking devices. So all of the trucks are tracked and we're able to capture large amounts of data to understand um, oh, so much data. We, we know how long we spend at each customer we have speeding events, there's a safety component. Um, basically those two pieces of, uh, those two tools gave us a wealth of information to make educated decisions on how to move forward and how to achieve the objective that we were looking for. You know, when you talk about all the, all the data, I mean, I would assume, you know, I think you brought up a good point here, you know, the difference between kind of different types of routing, right? And high density routing has got, um, I mean, I think some people may not be familiar with that term, but when you, as, I think as you illustrated, I mean, when you're thinking about delivering 
so many customers on a, on a route on a given day. Um, I mean, things like, you know, what side of the road they are or how many left turns or right turns you're taking or whether you're crossing a busy freeway or not, you know, how many times you cross over a busy freeway. So those are the types of things that become important to know and understand when you're doing these high density routes, right? Yeah, you don't want to be in a milk truck making a left turn onto a four lane highway. It's just, it's not a good idea. Um, so uh, I, I can't stress it. It might not seem mathematically, maybe that's the faster way to do it, but in reality, it's not, right? So uh, within RouteSmart, we're able to set penalties that add time for making those left turns or just prohibit those left turns. Um, and what was kind of interesting is I actually had flexibility with this. I could turn that feature off if I knew a particular driver is leaving at midnight and it's not a big deal. I could build a custom solution for him compared to another guy who's leaving at 6 a.m. and is crossing a lot of 4 a.m. highways. Um, that was the kind of flexibility. And, and again, it's, it's a lot of data and it was a lot of preparation work. Um, but I'm of the opinion that you want to do 90% preparation and 10% implementation. And that's what we were able to do in this case. Yeah, and I think the other thing you, you brought up, and I think this is probably where the, the, the data comes in helpful, obviously, is understanding the, the service level times at each, at each stop or at each customer. Because I, I'm sure that you, you see a, a wide variation uh, by customer and a wide variation by, by driver, perhaps. And, and that fact has to have factor into how you do your routing, right? Yeah, it does. And I was, I was surprised by this. Uh, being in the newspaper industry when I would build routes, I used an average, I used 15 seconds. So I kind of counting some prep time in there and some drive time and, and all that. I was very surprised when I had the actual data for Smith Brothers, clearly a different kind of business. But I went into it with my kind of my biased expectation. I'm like, oh, let's test this. And what I found was very interesting. Um, we had milkmen who were spending 60 seconds to serve a customer, and we had milkmen spending two minutes to serve a customer. And that's okay. The average is 90 seconds. If I had built all the routes on 90 seconds, uh, the fast guy is going to be done in seven hours, and the slow guy is going to be done in 13. Uh, so I was actually able to uh, manipulate the data in a way that simulated if I give this route to that person who has a two minute service time, what happens to the duration of time on the route? Um, and that's exactly what I did. I built routes on averages, then assigned them, and then I was able to adjust where the boundaries were to, to balance them out. Um, and it, it did work out really well. You know, I think that's a great example. Um, you know, everybody talks about having real time visibility to uh, all sorts of data, particularly around, you know, driving time and service level time and so forth. But I think, you know, really the value is integrating those two things, right? Integrating the data that you get from a real-time basis, actuals, if you will, um, business intelligence, analytics, and then being able to continuously feed that back into the algorithms and the optimization engines, you know, so that, um, you know, based on, you know, what you're basing the, the configurations on actual real-life conditions and what's happening out there rather than these averages that, to your point, you know, uh, can quickly throw things off. Yeah, you can spend a lot of time fixing it after. You know, if you, if you build it right the first time, you don't have to spend all the work. It's a lot more work to modify it later than it is to just get it right the first time, as best as possible, for sure. 
Right, right. So how did you go about implementing, you know, the solution? Did you start out with, you know, certain drivers and certain routes first? Um, did, I'm kind of curious in terms of the, the rollout and, and, and kind of and was there, um, did you have to get buy-in from the drivers in terms of understanding perhaps some of the changes that might have been implemented? I'm just trying to get a sense of, you know, how you went about, um, you know, rolling this out, considering the, the scope of your operations. Uh, I think buy-in from the drivers might have been the single most important factor. So here I come in, nobody knows me, and I've got to talk to these guys who've been, some had been on their route decades, long time, right? And I'm going to mess with their route. So definitely, uh, definitely a challenge there. Um, so what we did is we took one of our three markets. And uh, like I said before, we had all these different days we were serving customers. Uh, so I recreated that group into five. So a group for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, and to some extent, who was on which route helped me to, to direct which day would go where. We wanted these legacy guys to keep as many other customers as possible. Um, after dividing this into five groups, uh, we took each of the groups and built them into 12 routes. So 12 routes, five days, four guys working. I can get into a lot of weeds, but we're also moving guys from working five days to working four days so that we can deliver five routes with four trucks. So somebody's off Monday, somebody else is off Tuesday, somebody else is off Wednesday. Um, so that was it. We actually, to, 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 to initially get buy-in, we took one of these old timers and I re-optimized one of his days. Actually, I said I optimized one of his days. Um, and this gave us a chance for him to get familiar with what we were working with and for him to give constructive feedback. And that process went really well. Um, and he was definitely bought in at that point. Um, was kind of interesting when it actually came time to implement I had about three months to work on that group and when it came time to implement I actually created a packet for each of the milkmen and it showed what are what were you doing before how long was it taking how many deliveries etc and then what will you be doing how many of these customers did you have before what did we expect your um, results to be um, one of the things that my boss was very adamant about was that we had a way to track whether or not what we worked actually did, right? It's really easy to say, hey, look, Tom's back, it's 11, this is great, but that doesn't really mean anything. Like I, I created the data to be able to say last year and this week we delivered this many, it took us this long and these were deliveries per hour. Uh, and then I could say this year we delivered this many customers and it took us this long and we were, yes, more efficient or no, we were not. Um, so essentially when it came time to go on a Saturday, I came in and uh, rebuilt all the routes. I had most of the legwork done. Um, Smith Brothers is a very data-driven company. Um, in fact, uh, our IT guy is just created this amazing tool. We do not have a street router. Uh, he created a tool that allows me to move customers in bulk. Uh, this was pretty cool. It had never been used on this scale. With this, we would take one route, resequence it, or take two and merge them. Um, so I came in, ran the process in RouteSmart, exported the data, uh, formatted it the way I needed, and then loaded it in. Um, and the whole process of actually implementing took about six hours. 
Uh, so when the guys came in on Monday, they pulled their tablet, downloaded their route, and everything was new and reorganized. Great. You know, I would think that, um, you know, there's also this customer experience or customer relationship component to this, because even though, you know, I, I, we've talked before about all of us being creatures of habits, so I can see how someone that's been on the same route, a driver that's been on the same route for, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, you know, doesn't want to change because he's used to that route. But, I, but I, would, I would assume that some of the customers also have that relationship with that, that driver or that person if, you know, if they get to know them or, or so forth. So there is also that element of it as well, I would think. Yeah, and that was a very critical component. We had uh, two, we had three layers of communication with the customers. So the milkman actually passed out notes to all the customers, letting them know what we were doing and what day they were changing to. Um, of course, if there wasn't a change, then we didn't inform them, so it wasn't necessary to. Uh, and then, of course, um, almost all of our customers are set up online and we have email. So there was also email communication that went along with that. Um, as you'd expect when you move, in this case, a third of the company, we moved 14,000 customers and probably 10,000 of them changed. Um, our customer service team definitely had their hands full uh, with the calls as customers got used to the new delivery setup. Yeah, no, that, I, I think, you know, having that, that communication and, uh, you, you know, is critical. I, you know, one of the things that I think has been clear over the past few years is how tightly linked delivery is with customer experience and customer satisfaction and the brand, right? So, uh, you know, it's one thing to have the product and have quality product. But, you know, having that consistency and reliability in, in the delivery is also, you know, critical to, to your brand. So I think being able to communicate that to the customers is obviously uh, key. So, so tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what have been the benefits, you know, to date? You, you mentioned, you know, you, you, you want to be able to report, okay, last year we did this and this year we did this. I mean, what were some of the kind of the high level metrics or, or, or areas that you saw some improvement on? So this is really interesting. Um, the timing of the pandemic couldn't have been better in terms of us having completed the reroute. Um, if we had not done the reroute over the course of a year prior to that, I don't know how we would have been able to increase. So literally because we had reorganized into day blocks, I was able to add over 15,000 new customers over the course of three months. Wow. Um, I just don't know how we would have done that had we not been ready for it and had the systems and tools in place. Um, in fact, just to expound a little bit on that, I didn't add the 15,000. I didn't add them all into the existing routes. Um, and I've mentioned the route integrity before. There's only so many you can add before you break the route. You have to rebuild it. Um, at one point, we had nearly 5,000 signups in the queue. And over a weekend, uh, we implemented overflow routes. So I created a whole new routing structure of routes to be delivered over top of our existing routes. And what this did is it bought us time. It allowed us to start customers, and it bought me time to be able to place and reevaluate and rebuild and then in the underlying routes and then incorporate these customers in. Um, it's, it's um, still blows my mind a little bit just to think that we went from having 52,000 to 67,000. Um, I'm currently winding down that process of incorporating those overflow customers in and uh, I will revamp the day blocks again and I'm at this point making room for another 5 to 10% growth on our existing routes. Wow. You know, I think, you know, one of the things that, um, 
you know, uh, people have been talking about, if there's a silver lining around, you know, COVID is that, uh, you know, it's, it's serving as a catalyst for digital transformation for a company, right? So companies that, you know, have been operating like it was 1999, uh, they're, they're hurting the most. So now they're saying, gosh, you know, we've been on the sidelines for too long. And now they're trying to play catch up and, and they're finally, you know, moving forward with, with uh, you know, some investments in the area. And then there's companies like yourselves who have, you know, are in a situation that said, hey, thank God we've been kind of innovative all along and we've been investing all along and we've been, le- you know, leveraging data and using data and have these more modern and, and, and uh, tools where we can be, you know, the name of the game now is being flexible and responsive, right? So those companies are able to be able to be uh, f- uh, flexible in, in responding to whatever uh, market conditions uh, emerge and, and responsive to customer needs and market requirements uh, are going to be the ones that are going to be able to continue to succeed. And, you know, the fact that you're able to bring 15,000 more customers in a relatively short period of time and, and not create a hiccup for the rest of your operations, uh, I think is a testament, uh, you know, uh, to that. Um, so, so what's next? What's next for Smith Brothers Farms in terms of, you know, so you're kind of winding down this aspect now that was a result of COVID, but I'm sure you, prior to COVID, you probably had some uh, other plans or ideas in terms of continuous improvement and, and how can technology help bring those forward? Well, this is interesting. We had about a year ago, Smith Brothers added the Alpen Rose Dairy to the portfolio of the company. And that is a local family dairy in Portland, Oregon. Um, and we moved up the timetable for this uh, because of COVID, because of the demand for delivery. Um, but actually in that market, we just launched a home delivery service about a month ago. Um, so we're quickly growing in that market. I've created 40 routes now and we're serving uh, just about 3,500 customers already. Um, for the future, I think, uh, you know, it's like you said, Smith Brothers was very, uh, very ahead of the curve on technology. All of our routes are delivered using tablets, everything. There's oh, virtually no paper that happens here. Um, and so we continue to look to improve that process. One of the things that I'm looking at in the Portland market, because it's brand new and it's all brand new people, um, I'm actually, I build the routes, I input all the directions, I pull them out of Route Smart, load them into the tablet, and I update that every day. So only for customers that change. So if you drive from point A to point B, customer one, customer two, if I put a customer in between, I'll update the directions for customer two and three. And that's all that changes. Um, it's a really neat solution. I would love to be able to do it uh, at Smith Brothers on the larger scale, um, but we've got now 70 guys and gals that are used to the way we do it. So I'm ascertaining whether or not there's a solution there and, and what that might be. Uh, one of the other things I'm looking at is automated way to start our new customers uh, end-to-end, pull the data, route them, assign them to a route, insert them, generate the directions, and then load that into the database. Uh, so that's one of my longer-term projects is to be able to get that accomplished. Sounds great. Well, you know, the, the innovation, you know, never stops. And, you know, in, in this area, that's for sure. I think it's worth noting, too, that I think just like a, a lot of folks these days, um, you know, a lot of you, including yourself, are working remote, you know, these days, you know, working from home or working from outside, outside the office. So the fact that you were able to accomplish all this and be able to access the technology you needed, you know, from, from wherever you wanted to be, basically from home or a different uh, environment, uh, is another 
again, um, example of how companies that have moved to cloud-based solutions or solutions that they, platforms that they can access via the, the web, where they can basically do this kind of sophisticated work from anywhere, I think is, is another critical factor for success here, right? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it's been great. It surprised me. I've always wanted to work mobile or remote and I've never really had the opportunity. In this case, for the first month of the pandemic, I worked from home. Um, but with just with the sheer volume of growth that was happening, I uh, did go in the office, interact with our milkmen and women. So they're in every day. Uh, so I felt I should be too. And that was good. Build a rapport, especially with all the new hires that we did. Um, but then I was able to peel away again and just focus on the back end and getting the routing done and getting the data set up. And um, we haven't done it yet. We're going to set up a Zoom terminal so any of them can interact with me at any time uh, with any of their routing needs. Well, that's great. And uh, you brought up a great point. Obviously, the, uh, the, the men and women that are behind the seat there on the trucks and making those deliveries, they can't work from home. They're uh, on right. the front lines of this. So, um, you know, they're, um, you know, we talk about a lot of heroes, if you will, in this environment. And, and they're, you know, certainly out there, um, you know, taking care of customers, taking care of their responsibilities, but also, you know, taking some level of risk there. So certainly a, a valued part of your organization, I'm sure. And, and the fact that, uh, you know, folks like yourselves are, you know, particularly early on going in there to, you know, maintain that relationship and, and, and support, I think, is, uh, you know, is, is important. Um, so, uh, you know, James, as, as a way to wrap up, I mean, what words of advice or recommendations would you, would you give to other companies that are perhaps just getting started on their journey of evaluating, selecting, and implementing a, a route optimization solution? Yeah, it's... Um it's cliche and not to be intimidating, but you know, I was thinking the devil is in the details. Um, and like I learned, I, I had to challenge my conceptions after 20 plus years in newspapers. And I was just really look at the data, really understand what the problem is. And then that will lead you to what the solution is. Um, at Smith Brothers, um, I had a very supportive uh, executive team behind me. Um, we studied the data, uh, we benchmarked the data, uh, and we made uh, intelligent, well-reasoned decisions going forward. And uh, I had to build a tracking mechanism before we launched the project to understand whether or not it worked. And then if, if it worked, we would know it worked. If it didn't work, we would know it didn't, and we could understand why. Um, you really can't have too much data. It is easy to get stuck in the weeds though, so try to keep it, keep it high level. Um, I think also RouteSmart, really the, having that tool and having the data and being able to combine the data with the options that were in, in that system that were available really did allow me to customize our routes right down to the specific level of which guy is delivering and or how big their truck is, um, or how many apartments they have. Or, I mean, there really, there wasn't really an end to the complexity I could institute if I wanted to. Um, and I think those things all combined to make for a very successful project. Well, it's great, great insights and, and advice there, uh, uh, James. And again, uh, you know, I think we could probably talk forever here and, and uh, you know, about your success story there, but I really appreciate you taking time from your busy schedule to, you know, share your story and, uh, you know, look, look forward to hopefully catching up with you again uh, sometime in the future to see where your journey has taken you. So again, thank you for making the time to be with us today. Great. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to share. Thank you.
Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're watching this episode on demand, either at the RouteSmart uh, website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for James, uh, you can post it there, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond to that medium. Again, thank you for joining us, and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.